We live in a in a really awesome time where people do not have to adhere to societal norms and to societal roles and to the shame and the finger wagging and all of that other nonsense. We live in a time where you can carve out something else for yourself and if that's really what you want, there's a there's a way to do it, but it takes courage. Welcome to Normalizing Non-Monogamy, the podcast where we interview incredible people from across the entire spectrum of non-monogamy to hear their fascinating stories. We strive to bring guests on the show who have a healthy approach to non-monogamy. However, it's important to remember that everyone does it a little bit differently, and the views and opinions expressed by our guests do not necessarily reflect our own. Additionally, we produce this show for entertainment purposes only. Please be aware that we aren't doctors or therapists. Consult the medical professional for anything regarding your health that you might learn about on the show. Enjoy. Welcome to episode 161. We're Finn and Emma, and today we have a super fun interview with Giselle. It is high energy. (laughs) To to say the least. Let's say she's a ball of fun. Yeah, it's amazing. Um, A lot of life experiences wrapped into this episode. Yeah, she's been poly for over 40 years. 40-ish years? 40-ish years. Okay, you're right. Let's round it to 40, up or down, don't matter. (laughs) (laughs) She's been poly for a long time. And just the, the amount of, yeah, life experience that is packed in here is incredible. And you... If you stick around and listen past the intro, which we highly recommend, you will not be bored. So thank you, Giselle, for reaching out, for coming on, and uh, for being a part of the community and supporting the show. So thank you. Before we jump into the show, we do have a couple of quick announcements. Our first... I didn't say that right. Announcements. Announcements. <laughs> Announcements. Um, the I first... wasn't going to say anything, but <laughs> I know, you. I caught myself. Because I stared at you. <laughs> Weirdly. Hardcore. <laughs> because the word did not come out right. Um, our next virtual meet and greet is going to be January 16th at 12 p.m. Pacific, 3 p.m. Eastern. We're doing an afternoon meet and greet. Now, if you haven't attended one of these, they're super fun and you're going to want to sign up. Uh, they're where we gather everyone in the Zoom room and give you a chance. We do some icebreakers, and then we break you out into smaller groups and give you a chance to meet different people. They're about two hours long, and they're only $10. So come join us. And we're doing this one in the middle of the day on a weekend, so hopefully we can get a little more diversity in who's there. We're hoping some European contingency shows up, We maybe some Asian contingency. We know we have some people on all sides of the globe. <laughs> the globes don't really have sides, but... We, we're hoping and to... On all different time zones. Time zones. Maybe that's a better one. So yeah. Anyway, we'll stop rambling on that. Check it out. Head over to our website. Normalizingnonmonogamy.com. Um, and go to the meet and greet tab. And you'll see why every month we get more and more and more people. And we're having about 50 or so people joining every month now. Yes. And they're super exciting. So January 16th, mark your calendars. The other quick announcements, we're not going to dwell on it, but just some dates for the Patreon community. Uh, first things first, thank you. A huge thank you to all of the Patreon members. We're we're cruising up on 150. Yeah, it's so super exciting. Super exciting, and we've been really loving that community. That community has been part of the support that has gotten us through this wasteland of a year that is 2020. Yeah, and actually, we didn't even mention, this is the last episode of the year. It is. Of 2020. Woohoo! So the couple of dates, we've got a women's call on January 6th, a men's call on 
uh, January 19th and our Q&A slash, let's just call it community discussion, build, community discussion time to meet everybody yeah. on January 20th. And we just we want to throw out the quick disclaimer on the men's and women's groups that those are open uh, to anybody who feels comfortable in that space. We have had people in the last uh, couple of them that have joined who identify as non-binary. So mm-hmm. it's it's really a space for whoever feels comfortable there. And it is a welcome and open space. Um, but we need to work on the names. Yes. <laughs> no, unfortunately, there's, it's hard to do that with naming. Uh, but if you want to want to get more information, go to our website, normalizingnonmonogamy.com and click on the Patreon button. All the different levels and all the different perks are there. We'd love to have you join us. Again, this community has been amazing and we love growing it. All right. So we have another super duper exciting announcement. This one we had no idea was coming and we got an email last week. Just a few week days ago. From STD Check, which we haven't talked about too much in the past. Not Well, we've talked about them okay. way in recently. the past. We haven't talked about them recently because, well, not many people are getting STD tests because not many people are leaving their houses. Which is the smart thing to do. Yes. Please don't leave your house. We're not just, <laughs> we're not trying to encourage you to go out and start doing irresponsible things. However, the exciting news is that STD Check dropped the prices on their 10-panel test from $199 to... $139. $130. So they've cut $60 off the price. And if you're a listener of our show and you use the links in the show notes on our website, you get another $10 off. So you're looking at $129 for a 10-panel STD test. So we're thrilled. Yes. Because this is the service we use and we absolutely love it. And we know... A lot of you use it as well. So thank you to everybody who's used the links. It does support the show, and it means a lot to us that you do that. So thank you, thank you, thank you. And now it's even more accessible to everybody. So we're just fucking thrilled. We're super excited. Again, website, normalizingnonmonogamy.com. You can find links to the meet and greet, the Patreon. Find show notes for all of our episodes there, as well as links to the SCD check and contact us page. We'd love to hear from you. Leave us a voicemail. Write us an email. We'd love to hear. Yeah, let us know how your 2020 was and, you know, how we're doing, how you're doing. We just love to hear from everybody. So we hope to hear from you and we hope you enjoy this interview with Giselle. Yeah, let's go listen. No more announcements. <laughs> no more announcements. <laughs> announcements. Nailed it. <laughs> Welcome, Giselle. Thank you so much for being here tonight. Actually, this afternoon. This afternoon. Well, yeah, <laughs> depending on where you're at in the world. Yeah. Thank you We're for so having me. <laughs> yeah. And I guess we like to start by having you introduce yourself and just a little, maybe a high level, and we can dig in from there. Okay. Um, so my name is Giselle. I'm originally from New York City. Um, I have had a very interesting and rich life, and I've lived... Um, throughout the Northeast. Um, but I, I did start out and lived in New York City for most of my life. And I'm really thankful for that because I think it really allowed me to have the adventures that I've had. Um, whereas other places, I, I don't think that my life would have been as cool or as uh, really interesting as it has been. Because, because you started in New York City? Yeah, I, I was in New York City for most of my life. I've only been living where I am now for about the last 15. Okay. okay. And so maybe what are some of the what are some of the adventures that you got up to during that time? And and presumably 
we know a little bit of the background, but there is some some non-monogamy sprinkled in there at times. Yes. Um, so since um, I want to say since my mid-teens, when I just started to kind of explore the world beyond um, you know, the parental do this, do that, and the school do this, do that. I, um, I, I was always kind of uh, wanting to do something for myself and not really thinking too much about what will other people say about it. Um, I was definitely a rule breaker and, um, I just kind of started to, you know, get interested in, in people, mostly in guys. Um, although later on in, in my life, I figured out that I'm bisexual, but, um, and I it just kind of, you know, started talking to guys and guys talking to me and it eventually led to just various hookups. Um, and I think the first one that I can think of that really set a stage, um, for me was when I was in my mid teens and, um, my best friend was interested in a guy that lived in the neighborhood and um, he wasn't interested in her, but he was apparently interested in me and, you know, it led to a night and a really great sex. First time I had ever had really great sex. And I was just like, huh, there's something to this. There's something to, just kind of randomly picking somebody who looks interesting and just kind of letting it happen. Um, and I, I mean, I was pretty young, but um, I think I've just always been a hedonist at heart. Um. <laughs> so you, you weren't, you weren't particularly like fawning after this guy and he wasn't like a no. huge crush. It was just, he was interested in you and you had this opportunity. So you kind of yep. went for yep. it. Yep. And, um, I come from a, a family of, I want to say hippies and musicians and people who I think kind of flaunted, you know, the idea, um, or st stuck their nose up at the idea of doing things the way that everybody else expected. I think that my attitude wasn't really all that unique when it came to that. Um, but as I just, you know, became, you know, older and, and maturing and uh, learning about um, different ways to interact with people and, and different ways to find pleasure. I just, um, it didn't really occur to me to be careful uh, because I, I think I just, I don't know, it's, it was always something that I was doing. I was always doing different things. I was always off the beaten path. Yeah. Yeah. And so this, so this one night, kind of one night stand sort of started to shift some things in your brain. And real quick, just for yeah. context, do you mind sharing approximately how old you are so that you can kind of gauge like how much Ab life has been absolutely. lived? Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. I've been, I've been polyamorous about 40 years. Okay. Okay. Wonderful. Yeah. That helps. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> and now I'm Yeah. Question. And so, yeah. So the one, so the one night stand starts the wheels turning. It, it did. And, um, I really started to see people through a different lens. Um, and I think that there were people who were uncomfortable about it. And I think there were people who were wagging their fingers at it and maybe even neighbors who were starting to see 
actions on my part that didn't match up with what I was supposed to be doing. And, um, again, I just, I didn't really care. And I got into a lot of trouble and I made a lot of mistakes and I wasn't even supposed to be dating. Um, but I had one parent who was away a lot. Um, and you know, I kind of, uh, just had time on my hands to get into trouble. <laughs> well, cause this was still in your like high school years. Yes. Uh, is that correct? Yes. Okay. Yeah. So this and, was, and this you was never really know it. Oh yeah. And you'd never have known it either. I, I went to Catholic school and, um, yeah, <laughs> I'm a cliche, <laughs> uh, but it was, you know, on the, on the outside, I was wearing this, you know, uniform and a very long skirt. Cause I wasn't allowed to have a skirt above my knees and I was really quiet and, um, you know, I mean, I, I definitely had my shy side to me. So I think that, and I'm, I'm still like that. Like I've got two faces and on the outside, I, you know, I'm a, I'm a very respected member of my community. Um, you know, I, I, I work in a field where people, you know, look to me, um, you know, to set kind of the expectation of a proper, I don't know, behavior. Um, and you know, I have who I am behind that. Um, and I'm, I just, I, I like exploring and I, I like meeting new people and interacting with them in a, in a way that feels good to me and, and that we agree to. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. And so I guess after, so you're, well, how does it progress? Yeah, high right. Because exactly. navigating polyamory, I mean, so At this that is age. <laughs> right, the, based on your timeline that you said 40 years. So this is in the early 80s ish, yeah. somewhere in mm-hmm. there. Yep. And so, so first of all, not, not super popular uh, of a relationship style back then. And then you're yeah. in Catholic school and you're still in freaking high school trying to <laughs> do all of these things. So how does that, how does that work? Yeah. So, um, I did what I was doing and having adventures. And, um, at first it was, you know, a little weird because it was like, what am I really doing? Right. I'm really young. Um, but by the end of my high school years, I think I was, I think I was older than you would think because I was making a lot of my own decisions. Um, but I, I was flipping and flopping because like you said, it wasn't really a super popular time for, I mean, there was no language for, for this, like for another 25 years easily, um, even in a place like New York city. Um, so I just, I just really allowed, you know, my wants to guide my behaviors Um, and, and I ended up in a monogamous relationship, um, that had its risque aspect too. I was dating someone who was living with somebody and, um, we ended up kind of, you know, getting it together and we ended up eventually marrying. So I tried monogamy and, and we did all of the things that regular married people do, Um, and, and I married way too young and I wasn't really being who I was for real. I was being a wife. Um, and he wasn't happy with the situation, um, because I wasn't 
who he thought I was going to be. I don't know. And it was a big hot mess. Five years of just a really terrible relationship. He was cheating on me. Ironically, I was the one that was like, um, you know, trying to do what I could to be the good wife. And he was like fucking everybody that wore a skirt. Um, so <laughs> that ended badly. Um, and, and, and then I kind of returned to what felt natural to me. And I, and I came back, I was living overseas. I, I did a lot of great stuff. Like I'm in, you know, like I was in the arts and I was assistant choreographer in Europe. And I did a lot of really, you know, interesting things in my arts. Um, but when I came back, you know, I, I really wanted freedom even more than I had when I was younger because I'd been in this relationship that was, it was really not my, my thing. And it was torture by the end. Um, and I just kind of went back to dating people and being open about it. So, you know, now we're talking about like early nineties and I was at one point I was dating two guys and I was sleeping with one and I was just dating the other one. And I, I was living with his cousin, uh, with one of the guy's cousins. And she told him, that I had just left with the other guy. Right. So we're, you know, talking again about that whole monogamy mindset, right. Which dictates the way that people generally see relationships. Um, I don't know if that's everywhere, but I guess that's almost everywhere. And, and so the, were, yeah. Were you open, were you open with them about the dynamic and about the situation? So that's part of what I think was the, was the issue. It, I was having sex with him, but he and I had never talked about it being a relationship. And meanwhile, I found out in the course of sort of trying to uh, be more open when I realized, oh, okay, he just ended up in the, the liquor store that I was in with the other guy. And I found out it was because the cousin was like, go find out for yourself what's really happening. Um, and then I had a conversation and I introduced the two of them to each other. And I had a conversation with one telling him, you know, I just started seeing this other guy and I found out that the one I was sleeping with was in love with me. I see. So it got a little more complicated than you thought. Yes. Um, and I think that's where things again shifted. So you can imagine that over the span of 40 years, without a culture or a subculture, without a language, without mentors, that I kind of had to navigate my way, right? And there were also different reasons for why I was doing what I was doing. Like, it started out just me, you know, kind of having fun being a heathen at a young age. And then it was like, okay, I'm going to kind of push the envelope a little more and I'm going to start seeing like several guys at a time. And then I started like opening up to them and going, okay, look, this is just sex. So I'm still doing what I'm doing and you know, you have no say in it, you know? So, you know, if you, if I slap a label on what I'm, what I was doing at that point in the early nineties before the language was created for it, I was, you know, solely solo female poly. Because mm -hmm. I was making my own choices and little by little becoming more and more open with the people that I was dating. Right. Yeah. So how does it 
I guess, how did you handle that situation? And where did it yeah, go You're in the there? liquor store with the guy you're having sex with and your boyfriend. Yeah. And his, and his cousin's out and his cousin's outside. Like, the window. It wasn't funny at the time. Trust me. But I handled it with grace because I wasn't doing anything wrong. I was only having sex with one of them. And we never had a discussion about that being exclusive. Um, so unfortunately, you know, and I wasn't even, it wasn't even like a lie of omission. It was that he never thought that at some point he should say to me what he needed to say or ask me what he needed to ask. And I was still looking for something. You know, so mm-hmm. I was still having dates and that particular guy I ended up really gravitating towards because it just felt really good. And that was probably like the third date that we had been on. And we were just starting to talk about the idea that I was going to be his girlfriend. So I introduced the two of them to each other. Um, you know, I, I didn't laugh. I didn't, you know, um, it was it was kind of like, OK, here we are. Um, so-and-so, this is so-and-so, so-and-so, this is so-and-so. And they shook hands. How you doing? Two of them, you know, there was no fight, uh, which I look back now and think, hmm, okay. They were gentlemen about it, you know. Um, both of them were Latino men. I'm My family's from a Latin country. And they're usually hotheads like Italians. But no, the, the moment was very calm. <laughs> you know, it was just like, all right, yeah, nice to meet you. I went, I bought whatever I needed to buy. I said goodbye to the one that yeah, I wasn't on a date on. And we left. Yeah. <laughs> it's got to be like. But I mean, you're like, you're thrust into the situation and you're like, oh boy, what do I do? Like, cause you, right. You, you, like you said, you weren't doing anything wrong, but you also, society tells you that you shouldn't be in this position. Well, and the fact that you remember it with this much clarity, this many years later means that it was definitely something that was like imprinted on you, that situation, right? Very much so. I think that it was like a turning point, you know? Um, and I've had a lot of turning points since this one is very visible in my mind, partly because the first, the first guy that, that I was sleeping with, he had a crush on me from when we were like teenagers. And, you know, I knew he had a lot of "Mm," for me, you know, but honestly, like I was not in the mindset after having a horrible marriage, I was not in the mindset of falling in love. So, you know, it was really just physical and I didn't even know what I was going to do with the other one. I just knew that I liked him and I wanted to spend more time with him. And I think I thought I was going to be able to, you know, do both, but I guess that's not really, it didn't work out that way because the one I was sleeping with, like I said, was in love with me and was like, yeah, I, you know, this is the way I feel. And he tried to like win me over and I did, didn't want to go for that. So I, I started seeing the other one. Okay. So then where does it go? So I try out monogamy again. I'm living in the suburbs. Um, so not the city proper. So I'm kind of doing what everybody else does. And I go through a series of, you know, okay, this guy. And I had like, I was 
I'm not, I'm not going to be a jerk and get too crazy here, but I was really beautiful. And <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, no, it's, it's fine. They, it's yeah. confidence is sexy. Own yeah, yourself. I, yeah. I, yeah. And I had a line of guys like waiting to date me. Um, so at that point I was kind of being poly, but very informally because I had a lot of guy friends who were like into me. And so I'm going to say that I, I had many years of like having eight guy friends at a time. Um, but I was, I was only sleeping with one, but like I had, you know, fires burning everywhere with like the possibility. Okay. When this one drops, which I knew it would because I get bored of people. And this is one of the biggest reasons why I'm polyamorous. You know, I'm like, I'm so over you. We've been dating for like six months. You know, you, you're not exciting any longer. <laughs> um, and I know this is, this is common. You know, I, I've heard on your podcast, people talking about people are looking for that new relationship energy, right? Back yes. in the early 90s, nobody knew that term as far as I know. Um, right. But but I was young. I was beautiful. I knew there would be somebody to come along, you know, that would be more interesting or smarter or more handsome or better in bed. And, um, you know, I just kind of, you know, moved through people. Um, I think I did things the right way. You know, I kind of told people, look, this isn't working out anymore. Um and and then I fell in love. Then I fell really, really hard and we were monogamous, but I'm very flirtatious and he accepted that and he was really, really good looking and women were like looking at him um, and we never really like started swinging or opening up our relationship, but it was another turning point for me because he figured out while we were dating and we were very, very open with each other about like everything. Um, and when we were dating and, and sleeping together and being intimate, he figured out that I was attracted to women. And so that started to play into our intimacy and he'd start coming up with scenarios and testing it out and realizing that it worked for me because he, you know, kind of right watch and feel the, the impact. And that, that was a new, you know, part of, you know, this thing that I had created for myself. Um, and to be clear, this is not something, a part of you that you had explored at all up until this point. No, no. And I didn't again for quite some time after that. Um, cause like a blip, you know, it was like a turn on and then I kind of moved on and, you know, after that didn't work out dating other people. I, I was in college at the time I was working full time in, in college and seeing a number of people. I, I, after him, I was really heartbroken and I, again, kind of closed off, didn't want to fall in love and just started seeing other people. That was when I think it, things got crazy in my life. Um, that's when, <laughs> you know, that's like, it's, it's been so mundane up until that right, point. Right. <laughs> but it did, it got crazy. It was, um, and this approximately like what age were you at this point? So this was in the mid nineties. So I was in my okay. late twenties, late twenties. Um, okay. That makes yeah. sense. 
Yeah, and still beautiful, um, still in demand. Um, I was on websites. You know, now we had the internet at the end of the 90s. That changed holy moly it changed everything now i've got like 50 people you know so i'm like and i and i was i had money i was um where i'd been working in wall street i had been working on park avenue um i was like up in the ivory tower again that whole thing of two faces i was wearing suits and designer clothing and french perfume i was part of a country club and behind the scenes, I was like, you know, invited to sex parties at hotels that moved around, having, you know, like giving a guy a blowjob in a stairwell. Um, there's a guy who followed me off of a subway. And I wasn't creeped out over that for some reason. Um, and followed me, started talking to me. I call him Adonis. I don't remember his name. Um, but he was thoroughly, thoroughly the most gorgeous man I've ever fucked and started talking and we ended up in a hotel. Um, wow. Yeah. We weren't even in a hotel room. We were in the hotel lobby. Uh, yeah, there were some crazy <laughs> years. <laughs> so you, well, so it's, so you came off of this second, this not second, but this monogamous relationship. And yeah, it sounds which like, it had been the second one because the yeah, first one was her marriage. Her marriage, yeah. right. 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 And, well, but there was also like sort of serial monogamy in yes. there, right? You said you had this stable of eight guys and you were just kind of picking them one at yep. a time. And yep. But this sounds like a totally different. This was like you came out of this monogamous relationship and were just like, I'm gonna do whatever I want. And you said there was it was sex parties, it was yep. one off encounters, one it was it was every flavor of just do every, what I want to do. Every and that happened for a really long time. I had um I lived at one point in a community where I had access to interesting people that were a little more in alignment with what I was doing. Maybe not exactly swingers, but Certainly they were young, they were hip, they were, you know, maybe right out of college. And um, I started seeing a guy who I had, I met in a local bar and he and I actually had been together over the course of about three years and we were just having sex, just having fun. We, this is where the consent part of what you guys talk about started to come in because now I was, I had become much more conscious of how I wanted to communicate what I was doing with people. And mm -hmm. when I connected with him, it was a one night stand at first, but we were so attracted to each other that we started to go out pretty regularly and, but I didn't want anything. So it was like, okay, we're having fun. And I, I talked to him and said, look, this is what I want. And I want to know if this is what you want too. And I think that's that I can remember. This was one of the first more evolved relationships. Um, again, without the language of polyamory or non-monogamy, but it was like, okay, I have no time for a relationship. I have no desire for like 
not a relationship because he and I were having a relationship and it was acknowledged when we went places that we were, but it was like not boyfriend and girlfriend. It didn't have that kind of monogamy like label. And I even met some of the girls that he'd been, that he was dating. So we'd like bump into each other in places because we lived in the same community. And I think the girls were kind of embarrassed because they didn't know what was going on. Or if they did, they weren't prepared to meet one of his lovers. Right. Right. So, so they'd end up like excusing themselves to go to the bathroom. It was like every time this happened, like I could almost count 10, nine, eight, seven, poof, go on to the bathroom. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god it was yeah and it was funny to us because we were like used to this right we you know we were attracted to each other we liked each other and we were happy for each other and i think mm -hmm. when i hear the stories on your podcast where they're talking about and i don't remember the exact phrase for it but when they're talking about like being happy for your partner and that feeling of joy for them to connect with other people that was what was starting to happen yeah you the know? compersion compersion yeah. right yeah yes. well and so but it sounds like you and this other person were open with each other about what you were doing so you weren't surprised to run into the other one but but was he not was he not necessarily communicating that to them um i don't know really i think i mean they weren't like mortified it was more like sure yeah, it was more like uncomfortable. A little and a little like, um, I'm gonna let you two talk. I'll be right back. Right? Okay, I got you. And, and so yeah, it didn't really feel like that whole I mean, I definitely did have relationships with people where that was happening, where they were like doing things like you know, where the con the conversation was not taking place, where maybe I knew more or I knew less. Um, so there was a lot of unethical behavior that had been happening in the 80s and, and early 90s. Um, sure. But as I got older and moved into this lifestyle that I created for myself, I became more confident. I became more clear about what I wanted and what I was doing. And I started to open the conversation um, to the people that I was seeing. Yeah. Yeah. So at that point, it became a little more, uh, in your words, like ethical. Yes. Absolutely. And, and I think I kept going in that direction for the most part after that. Yeah. And so, so this was, you said, this was your first sort of evolved relationship. And I would imagine there was a lot of learning that went on there. And how, how did you take that and sort of parlay it into the next phase? You said you've, you've continued to grow and become, you know, more and more communicative and ethical and learning what you wanted. I mean, that was probably yeah. a big part of it. It wasn't that you didn't want to communicate is that you didn't even know that these things were things. Very true. So there was a lot of drama when, you know, when I wasn't talking about it, but I was just kind of earlier on, right. I was just, you know, doing what I do and not really thinking because I, I'm still thinking in that monogamy mindset. Right. So I think that when I found somebody who was happy to be with me and authentically, and oh my God, we had such a great time. We had like, we laughed together. We, you know, enjoyed doing 
crazy things together. We knew that, you know, we were dating other people. Um, it felt really good. And I, I think that's where I started to feel like, okay, so this is possible. I can have my cake and eat it too. All I have to do is just open my mouth and have a conversation. Um, and it's, and I wasn't necessarily doing it right on the first date, but you know, as I started to feel like there, I had a connection with somebody, you know, I, I'd sort of go, okay, you know, maybe this is, you know, a couple of dates in and we're feel, you know, like this is, we feel good together that I, I want to talk about, you know, I, I, I enjoy meeting other people. I like dating. I think at some point I labeled myself a serial dater, um, you know, and I just started to have that, that chat with people and, and some people were not okay with it. And a lot of people were though, because in, in New York, I mean, mo most of the people that I was doing this with were in the New York city area. Um, you know, people were really just kind of finding themselves and, I don't think I was attracting too many people who wanted to get married, um, you know, because I don't know. I don't I don't think that I've ever really looked like the kind of person, you know, I'm like in clubs and I'm like, you know, I'm dancing and I look like I'm having sex on the dance floor. Like, I'm not going to attract people who want Susie Homemaker to raise his kids. <laughs> <laughs> So you were attracting the type of people that you were putting out the vibe. Yeah. You were putting the right bait out there for the fish you were looking for. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Even though that wasn't, I mean, I look back on it now and I think that, yeah, right. That's what was happening because you know, that's just how things work. Um, but I, I just, I was being me and I, you know, I'm a, I've always been a, a little wild, you know, I, I, I just, I love people. I find them fascinating. I like having different sex partners. I like exploring different facets of myself. Um, so, you know, I just kind of, you know, I, I was just dating people to, to, to have an experience. And sometimes it ended up, you know, becoming a little bit more. And sometimes it was just like having sex. Um, I think that, there were times where I was having a relationship and having crazy sex. And then it kind of got a little bit messy because now I'm at the point where I'm like, so how does this work? I'm falling in love with this person and, and I'm still trying to figure out we either have agreed to see other people and keep doing that or there were times where, because, you know, maybe the communication wasn't there that, for example, I was dating a guy who was seeing many women and we hadn't had the conversation, but I assumed the way that my friend had assumed when he fell in love with me and we were just having sex, I assumed that there was something happening and it was kind of monogamous and that was another shit show. <laughs> Because you were the one assuming or expecting monogamy here. Yeah. And, and it's, you know, I, I, I'll always reflect back on this. And if anybody were to ever ask me for advice, 
I hate giving advice anyway, but, um, you know, I'd probably say, yeah, you, you probably want to be clear about what you're doing and really have those open conversations and not take for granted that what you think is happening is happening because especially if you're seeing someone who's wild, (laughs) why in the world would he be doing things traditionally when you were attracted to him because he was crazy, right? Um, so I, th- I think that would be something that I would say, because, like, this guy, we ended up having, like, him, he was, like, living in my apartment for, like, four days a week at one point. And he was, I later on figured out, he was a swinger. Um, he had his swinger partner. He also was dating an heiress. Um he was also dating a another girl who like went in and out of his life. Um, I date a lot of like musicians and actors and, and filmmakers. And um, I won't tell you about the celebrities, but there were a lot of people, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but there were, <laughs> there were, uh, you know, it was, it was like that kind of like you think in like California, right? Like Hollywood or LA, right? It's the same kind of thing. These are people who are like, you know, throw around money travel the world, have big lives and do crazy things. Um, but it, it ended up really bad because I think I kept trying to, fit it into my idea of it should just be me and him because it was, I was falling in love with him and I didn't know how to have multiple relationships and also be in love with one person. Mm -hmm. Well, which is really interesting because like you felt like, and, and maybe you just said it there, but the, the fact that you said, I don't want, I wasn't trying to attract people who wanted to get married. I wasn't looking right. for the one, mm-hmm. but you ha- you kept having these recurring scenarios where you'd fall in love yep. and it would shift to monogamy yep. for a while. And it sounds like what you just said is that you didn't know how to develop love for multiple people mm-hmm. at the same time. Exactly. Yeah. And there was, you know, from my, you know, from my perspective, from that point in my history and history in general in that area was still not really a conversation that was being had, except for maybe pockets of, you know, like communities in, let's say, lower Manhattan. Right. Mm -hmm. So lower Manhattan is, you know, Greenwich Village. And, you know, this is where people were you know, doing their thing. And there was a culture, right? Mm -hmm. I've never, I've never belonged to a culture. Um, and I mean, except for maybe feminism and even that I, I never really like gravitated toward, you know, women who were like braiding the hair under their armpits and, you know, shaving their head and, and wearing suits and, and mustaches at parties. Like I, I wasn't doing that and I wasn't hanging out with people like that. So where do I, where did I get my, you know, okay, how do I navigate this? Um, yeah. yeah, you you didn't I, have I didn't any know. tools or any yeah you didn't yeah. have any tools or any way anywhere to look or yeah you're just trying to nope. stumble in the dark and figure it out yourself. Right. So um, it eventually got to the point though where 
things changed again. Um, so I ended up moving out of the city and coming into an area, um, a region that's extremely traditional. Like, I can't even, ex- and I still live in this region. Um, and then me coming into it from having had that lifestyle of doing whatever the fuck I want. Right. Yeah. And, and now where do I go from here? You know, and, and that was tricky, but hormonally speaking, I think I had gotten to the point and, you know, I think this is going to be entertaining for people who listen. I'm sure. Uh, I think I got to the point where I was like a nympho. I was like, fuck, 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 fuck everywhere. Four hours at a time. Didn't care who I was with would go into a bar and like, go like this. And the guy would come home with me. Like, you know, for the most part, except for these little pockets of those relationships, everything else was like crazy wild, you know? And, um, so I brought that energy with me into this traditional community and I was like, uh, where do I start? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. You you liked that, what you had going and now it's. Well, but you can't just walk into the, these, right. Yeah. These conservative areas and just be picking people out and line them up outside the door and walk through them. Right. I mean, that's a totally different culture. Totally. So how did it go? Well, it it was interesting because I came a lot closer to, you know, to the lifestyle because I I had to look for people, right? So now I'm online and I, okay, Cupid, which from what I can tell from your listeners is a very popular place for people to find each other. Um, I don't know if that was the only website that had kind of alternate lifestyle people, but it was certainly a very popular website at the time when I first got into the region I'm in now. And I started meeting, you know, really interesting people. Um, And I, I will tell you that because this isn't something I have had the chance to tell you all through all of this craziness early in the 2000s, I met somebody online in a chat room who I started dating uh, before I moved into the region that I'm in. And then we like lost touch with each other. He got married and then we reconnected. And at the same time that we reconnected, I was meeting people online. Um, So I was kind of between Living in the New York City area and where I am now, I started getting online and finding really crazy communities like a webcam community where people were like doing things and watching each other. Um, of course, I was doing that, too. Yeah, of course. <laughs> of course. <laughs> and, and so when I came here, I'd been doing that. And so I think that my energy just kind of little by little started to attract these freaks um, you know, also because of OK Cupid, and I met this guy, um, and he's one of—I think he's one of my more interesting people. And I've just recently reconnected with him. But I met a guy on o- OK Cupid. We're we're pretty sure that's where it was. Who was? And this is this is this is someone separate from the guy you connected with, like early in the early two thousands, and then reconnected. Right. This is someone different. Right. Yeah. This is someone different, but it's within the same year. So. Okay. 
we we connected um, online through that the website, and he was significantly younger than me. And I had been starting to do that toward the end of my time before I came into this more traditional community, where I think that started to be become my mo. Uh, I was dating guys that were like five, six, eight. 10, 12 years younger than me. And so this guy was half my age. So I met him when he was 18 and we were really just curious about each other. Um, and we just chatting the way that it starts with, you know, with, with all the people that I meet because I'm, I'm an intellectual person first, even though I'm driven to connect sexually, I want to kind of, I don't know what was what is that term where you kind of fall in love with people's smarts or you become sexually oh, attracted sapio, to sapiosexual. So I'm one of those. Um, so he and I started to to connect and things kind of evolved from being friendly and and talking and he's wildly wildly intelligent guy and then it just kind of started to become more and more sexual and we were a couple of years kind of online getting involved and creating scenarios and fantasizing and, you know, kind of doing all of that. And then I was starting to meet people in real life. And, you know, this is where things kind of got interesting because they were like dating couples. And I figured out that that was kind of tricky well, first of all, I was considered the unicorn, and I actually learned that phrase pretty early on. So I want to say maybe 2006, maybe 2007, and um, I wasn't sure if I really liked like that position. And um, so I was dating couples, and I wasn't I wasn't always interested in both of them. I found like I liked the the girl, but not the guy or like the guy, but not the girl. So, you know, I'd like go on a date and I'd be like, wow, this is interesting. I can't believe I'm doing this. And then I would just kind of fall into it. And each time I do it, you know, all right, well, this is becoming normal. Right. Mm -hmm. But I found that I just couldn't seem to click with both of them. And it was more often that I was attracted to, to the woman. And I think it was because I was really trying to explore my bisexuality, which I really hadn't done a whole lot of. Okay. Yeah. That makes and, sense. And, and yeah. And by that point I knew I was, and I had had um, a friend who turned into a lover a few years before. And um, you know, I think that like, while I started dating couples, that seemed to be my like avenue in mentally, you know, I was like, okay, I'm gravitating toward the woman, but then I'd get so like involved in how pretty she was, how cute she was, how sexy she was imagining kissing her. And it was like, I just didn't want the guy around at all. I was like, you know what? Can you just go do your thing? And I'm going to seduce your wife. Um, and that didn't happen because the guys wanted to have a three-way. Yeah. Right. Because that's like, you know, the big deal. Right. And that's the reason why they, you know, they answered the ad was because the guy was like, yeah. Um, <laughs> and, <laughs> and, and, and it didn't, didn't happen. But eventually by dating people, I started to become involved with guys that had other partners 
and they would introduce me to their partners either in real life or on the phone. So I dated one guy who had a girlfriend and a wife and I talked to the wife and she gave, you know, gave her blessing. Um, but the girlfriend didn't know anything about me. And so that became a shit show. Um, <laughs> you know, <laughs> I was like, you know, we're, I'm trying to be better at this, but I can't do it alone uh, as a solo poly, you know, I'm just bringing me. And so what other people were doing wasn't necessarily ethical and right. some, right. And they weren't, they weren't being honest about it, even though I was trying to address it. Right. So was, I'd be like, Oh, well, you know, I see that you have a you know, ring on your finger. Um, you know, you want to tell me about that? <laughs> right. And he's, and he's like, oh, yeah, I'll let you talk to my wife. My wife, you know, has her boyfriends and they go away and da, da, da. And I'm like, okay, and we, you know, have a conversation. She's nice enough. It's kind of a stiff conversation if I remember. Um, but then as I was becoming, you know, involved with him, then I realized because he was sharing it with me, like, oh, yeah, my girlfriend is, like, asking me about this, you know, why am I always so happy and why am I, you know, like, shining and, you know, and he, she thinks that something is up, you know, and then that's when I learned about the NRE and he's talking about that and how much he loved that, but, you know, he didn't want to share it with her and I was like, well, you know, I, I, I mean, I think that it's the right thing to do if you're going to do this, right? Why would you be, all right, your wife is okay with it, but now you've got this other person and she's not. And then we had like a big fight about it because he's like, hey, look, you know, this is nothing. You know, what you and I are doing, we're just fucking, right? And I was like, okay. Uh, and it ended pretty abruptly. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's, and it is, it's, what's interesting to me is that you, you were always trying to explore the thing and it was evolving, right? What you were trying to figure out where you were evolving, what you were interested in. And you seem to really find your, your jam right before you left New York city. And then you were transported to this place where your only outlet was really to seek out the swinging community. Cause that sort of open, poly just free love kind of community didn't really exist and it or right. it was forced underground through swinging and then you you in order to get these things you wound up being like the third in someone's couple or the the guys got you know whatever these yep. situations are they were very sort mm -hmm. of um hidden because mm -hmm. they had to be because of the the, the location you were in and yep. so it's a really interesting like thing that you had to go, you had to like, well, I'm still me, but now I have to find where I fit and where do, yes. where do I fit best? Cause it's not even the best fit for me. It's just, that's what's available. Yep. And, and it was uncomfortable, but the thing is that I was in the thick of things and really didn't know how to get to a better place. So, mm -hmm. so you're, you know, what you're saying actually is a great segue into what I started to do next, which was, I started to just kind of find some normalcy and right. So 
now I have this guy who the the guy who I had been like chatting with online. It was completely online. I was head over heels for him, but it was completely online and he kind of disappeared. Um, and then my friend who I had met around the same time as him became a companion to me and he became the person that I spent time with. And, and actually he and I just talked like maybe two hours before this and we were talking about the other guy. So right now I have two partners. So he knew that I was doing this interview and he's one of these people that doesn't really have anything to do with this lifestyle. And, and as he was getting to know me, when we first became interested in each other, he realized that that's what I was doing and kind of moved away from it. But because somehow we keep on finding each other again, like the day that the pen hit his divorce papers, he sent me an email. So we keep on coming back to each other, but now our relationship is such that we are the best of friends. Uh, we go away together. Um, you know, we have, we used to have really, really vanilla sex. Now, little by little, I've been kind of moving him into a, a place of, these are some of the things that I'm interested in. And I was kind of the mentor. And now I don't think that's the case. I think he's teaching me now. <laughs> <laughs> so somewhere in the middle of, you know, this disconnection of me wanting something and not being able to get it. And you're right. I wouldn't even have labeled what was happening as me being part of the swinging community, but that's exactly what happened. Right. So it wasn't really about loving people, which is where I am now. Now I'm just want to love people and, and, Anybody who knows me knows they're like, oh, Giselle, oh my God, she's like a love bug. And I have a shirt that says love bug. And I have a lot of clothing that says love on it deliberately, right? And I just want to love people. And I, you know, if we're making out, great. If we're just friends, maybe we hook up, you know, in a few weeks or in a few years. Like I now have, you know, this community of people all over the United States because I've been on retreats, because I've met people and sustained a relationship with them. And so I have a lot of long distance relationships. And that's kind of how I figured out how to fulfill my needs in this traditional community. Little by little, I started exploring in a more spiritual sense because I along the way figured out that for me, sex is in a lot of ways very spiritual, you know, but not religious, right? So, and I'm, you know, kind of one of those people who just finds satisfaction in, I don't know, helping people to kind of find more than just fucking, right? Right. So, so now we're like, talking about deep subjects and we're talking about each other's partners and we're, you know, exploring different modalities of connection and communication. And some of it is just friendly and hugging and some of it is touch and go. I've got one friend who has a partner, but he and I are constantly flirting and there's that constant possibility of there being something else. 
you know, and then the guy that I had met when we were 18 or he was 18 rather online, he and I have been together for the last year and a half. Um, and then that other person who has been with me for about 19 years, except for the six years that he was married. So now I've kind of built this thing of just living the way that I live openly and nobody's feelings are getting hurt and we're all talking about it and there's a lot of acceptance and a lot of understanding and a lot of happiness for each other. It's not to say that I have never felt jealous. My friend that is that, that I met at 18, he's polyamorous and he's got many partners and he tells me about them, but not in detail. I like, no, this is what he's doing. Um, and I, you know, had a hard time with that, but it's been fun. It's been fun. Yeah. So that just to clarify, clarify in that relationship, he's the one you met online. Everything was online for a while. And now it's, it sounds like you, he disappeared for a little while and now you've rekindled that relationship. Um, yes. the last like year and a half, you said. Yes. Yeah. 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 And go ahead. What were you saying? No, that's yeah. Okay. I was just going to comment that, you know, I think it sounds like too the timeline of everything, like when you move to the more um conservative area, the online dating was a much more of a thing at that point, you know, like than it had been in the past. So yeah. it allowed you, it sounds like it allowed you to make your network bigger than where you were just living. Absolutely. And it was necessary because now I live in an environment where this is no longer something that everybody does or even a portion of people do. So like for, you know, for people that might be listening who live in areas where, you know, you don't have this community that's all for, you know, polyamory or non-monogamy that, that, you know, connecting with people online and having meaningful conversations and talking about what you really want and who you really are, um, you know, and getting to that authentic part of you and what you want to do that that's another, at least for me, it was, that was another option. And I, Mm -hmm. you know, I know that I was listening to one of your podcasts about some, about a couple saying you need to meet the people who you're looking to you know, connect with immediately. I was just listening to one of them last night and I was like, you know, I don't do that. Um, I, I have talked to people just online back in AOL instant messenger. Um, <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. right. And Yahoo mm-hmm. chat rooms. Um, some of my favorite people I met that way and we didn't have anything to do with each other for some time. You know, I had a, a, a lover called the rice man. I never learned what his name was. I talked to his, his children. I talked to his wife. He sent me a love letter for Valentine's day. And that was all online, you know, and he lived in California, you know, so I just was able to have these relationships, some of which were completely online, some were on the phone, some were in person, and I didn't need to rush into any of them because I wanted to get to know people and I wanted to do things on their terms as much as I wanted to do things on my terms. So we just kind of rode that comfort level until we got to a place where we're like, we have to meet. Yeah. 
Yeah. No, and I think, you know, that whatever works for you works for you, right? And I, you know, with this other couple, I think there is this notion that uh, uh, when oftentimes if you're in, you're married or you have a partner and you're looking to meet other people, like time is a, our, our most, uh, anybody's most sort of... Um, scarce resource. Scarce resource. Thank you. Mm-hmm. And... So, like, I don't want to spend tons of time talking with somebody or another couple to to get ghosted or to find. So, like, they want to cut through all that and say, let's go meet. Let's see if there's anything here. Otherwise, let's just move on and we'll save the time. But, you know, you take it a little bit of a different route. And I think I think that's what's so great is that everybody handles it in a little bit different way and does what works for them. Yeah. And I, and I, you know, unlike people who, you know, let's say have been doing this for the last five years, right? Because most of the people that I um, heard on your podcast and you're, you're the only podcast I've listened to with this theme, right? Because I was just like, so I love you guys. And I was like, I just, I'm just going to listen to every single one. Right. And, and I probably am going to just go back. I'm going to like binge, then I'm going to start doing it by theme. And then I'm going to start doing it in order. And (laughs) I'm going to memorize the stories. I just like you guys so much. I don't even want to go anywhere else. Um, but (laughs) she's she's monogamous with us. I know. Um, but I, uh, I did think it was interesting listening to a lot of the people that you interviewed who have been part of the lifestyle, let's say for the last five years. And, you know, they all had language and they all had etiquette and they all had rule books like the ethical slut. I learned about the ethical slut through this, you know, kind of swinging community that I became part of. Right. And the guy who had the girlfriend and the wife, Um, I think he was the first one to tell me about that book. Honestly, I skipped right past that book. I I was at that point where I was like, you know what? I haven't really lived with rules at this point. I've been reinventing the wheel for whatever godforsaken reason. I like reinventing the wheel. Uh, I have always been like that since I was a kid. So I, I already knew, okay, I'm going to the point where I'm becoming more ethical about this. It's avoiding the craziness. It's avoiding the mess, the, you know, abrupt endings, the hurt feelings, the lies. Oh, my God, lies. I just got to the point where I was like, you know what? Don't fucking lie to me. I'll tell you that on the first date. I'll tell you that in the first transaction online. Don't fucking lie to me. That's it. Right? That solves that. And if you do... I'm going to question you. And if it sounds like you're still lying, I'm going to ghost you. Um, So I got to the point where I was like, okay, I'm doing this ethically. I'm trying to draw people who are trying to do the same thing or who are doing the same thing. And so like that whole thing of like the ethical slut, I'm reading more things like, you know, pleasure activism. You know, um, I, I'm already beyond the, the rules and the language. I'm just going to keep doing it. I'm picking up language and, and I'm, you know, listening to your podcast and on the podcast because I'm at that point where I want community to what extent I don't know yet. And to, and who it is that I want to attract, I kind of have a pretty good idea, right? I want people who are authentic. I want people who are not lying about it. Um, 
I don't know whether I want people who are new or who have been in the lifestyle for a while. I think it's really just about what it's always been about, which is compatibility and enjoying, you know, what that person has to offer. Um, but also knowing that they have a more open lifestyle, whether they're married or um, coupled or whether they're doing, you know, what I'm doing, kind of just moving around that, you know, I think that's kind of, that's not the point for me. The point for me now mm -hmm. is that I want to be able to, to share some of what I've learned and who I am, including this part of myself, which I can't talk to, to most of my friends about. You know, and, and some of them do know about it. You know, I've even shown pictures of things that I've done to my closer friends. Um, the look on their face is usually pretty priceless, especially women. <laughs> you know, they're like, whoa, <laughs> come on, that's sexy. And they're like, if you say so. <laughs> <laughs> so but, uh, that was going to lead to one of my questions too is like how open are you about all of this because you kind of told us early on like you were leading two lives and yeah. but it sounds like those have kind of merged a little bit a little bit but not like mm -hmm. so I think that one of the things I learned about the the podcast you know um the the episodes of your podcast is that a lot of people do not talk to their family about this um, and I am no exception. Uh, my mother, uh, is the one who raised me. My father passed away. Um, that the story of my parents, there's no time for that, but they are both crazy people, both multiple partners. The, the two of them were doing this way before I was. Um, but I can't have the conversation with them or with her, especially, um, because my mother, as she got older, became more traditional. And she's the reason why I moved into this community because she's getting older. I'm an only child. So I was like, okay, you know, I'm going to have to live closer to make sure things are going well. And because it's my, you know, my duty as a, as a daughter, but She's called me a lesbian. Um, she has tried to shame me uh, in front of people because I'm not uh, settling down or having children. Um, she did that really often in my 20s and, and 30s. And it got to the point where I was like, Ma, stop it. And she's like, well, but I'm like, no, I'm serious. This is the last time that you talk about me having children. I don't want children. It's not happening. End of subject. So, you know, I think that for, for her, she's been trying to figure out what's wrong with me. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I'm not really willing to answer that because it's none of her fucking business. Um, right. And it's not right. going to be, it's, it's not going to be a good conversation. You know, right. At least yeah. I don't think a, it is. Have, right. You could have a relationship with her that doesn't revolve around the discussing all of this. Yeah. Right. So she has met the, the guy that I have been with the longest. Um, they did, you know, with three of us, we had lunch. He paid for her meal. He liked her a lot. She liked him a lot. Um, and so I call him my boyfriend. 
And she is like, I don't know how it works. He lives, you know, 400 miles away. And I'm like, you know what? It works. End of subject. And she's like, you're so secretive. And I'm like, so, you know, that's, and, and I don't know how other people have, you know, dealt with their family and trying to sort of, you know, do what they do and live the way they live authentically and still answer the questions that must come up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. It's difficult. Yeah. For sure. Yeah, for sure. Well, so, I mean, thank you for sharing that and, and for sharing everything. Like your, your story is incredibly fascinating. And I think one, well, there's, we, could go, we could go down so many wormholes. <laughs> yeah. There's, there's two, two things that I wanted to ask and maybe Emma has some other questions as well. But the first one is throughout the, let's say the eighties and nineties and early two thousands as you were navigating, you know, New York city being a very sexually open, liberated person. How did you handle your safety throughout that time? Because it was just something that kind of, I kept thinking about. Yeah, like, my, me too. I was going to ask Like, that's question. so amazing that you're doing these things, but like, how were you making sure that you like, what, what were you doing? Cause I don't want to say, I don't want to assume that like you were doing everything to be perfectly safe. Cause I don't know that. So like, how were you handling that? I wasn't, um, I'm an adrenaline junkie that I, yeah. that, yeah, I, uh, I like, you know, on the spot trying to figure things out. I like the reinvention of the wheel. I like doing things that are a little edgy. Um, you know, I, I didn't always know what was going to happen. I didn't tell people this is where I'm going to be. Uh, and, and the really funny thing is the next question would be, I would imagine, did you ever encounter a situation where you felt unsafe or that there was danger? Um, and the answer is no. Um, I've never been hurt. Um, I've never encountered like, okay, this person is, you know, coming, uh, and she is the spouse of a person that I'm in bed with. Um, I had a time where my mother almost interrupted something and the good thing I was living with her for a little while. I had a chain on the door that would have been, I would have been busted. (laughs) Uh, I was having sex with my boss behind that chain, by the way. Um, (laughs) That was interesting. We did that. (laughs) We were doing that for a couple of years. (laughs) Every (laughs) time. We're, we're, we're 70 minutes into the podcast and you keep dropping things that just, Okay. So you were never, so you never felt unsafe. So, I mean, clearly, and and maybe you just can't put it into words, but clearly you were doing something that whether it was conscious or subconscious, it was keeping you safe. You were, yes, you were maybe being a genuine and there was probably an element of luck in there inevitably, but you, you don't have that many good luck. You you don't just like hit the lottery over and over and over. So you were clearly doing something that you were some part of your process was keeping you safe and, and healthy. I'll tell you the only thing that I can say um, that I know for sure was the case is that I'm a very good judge of character and I follow my vibes and that has taken me very far with my life. I mean, over the course of all the years that I've you know been here thus far, at least in this lifetime, Um, I have used skills and I am now like in my fifth career. 
So I just keep on like, yeah, I'm, I'm also a, a skipper of like, I, I had five jobs in the last two and a half years. So, you know, and I used to move every year, like my whole life is chaos and I thrive in chaos. So, but <laughs> I, I am a very good judge of character. And so there are lots of little things that people do that give me a vibe. And then I kind of pick up on that's not a good feeling. I'm just going to walk away from this or they're being shifty or like online people are really interesting, but they say things that really, I, in my opinion, reveal them. You know, mm-hmm. I just, I, I'm a writer. So, you know, and, 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 and I'm fascinated by everything. So I'm just constantly reading. I'm listening to podcasts. I'm watching Ted talks. I'm like, I immerse myself and I feel like I'm a really bright person with a lot of good common sense. And, and I think that must have been a big part of how I, yeah, but I think that there were times when I was in an environment where, uh, you know, yeah, this was maybe a little further than I needed to go or I need to like get the fuck out of Dodge. Uh, it's definitely happened a couple of times where I was like, I'm going to pull the plug on this right now. Um, but for the most part, it was, you know, just kind of, yeah, there was some luck and there was some, you know, vetting. I, I think that I, I must have been pretty good at vetting people. And, um, but I, I always, you know, I always use condoms. There were, I'm not going to say every single time I did get a couple of different little things. Um, you know, there's, it's kind of par for the course when you're this crazy, you know, there's times where you're just like spontaneous and there isn't a condiment to be found. Um, and then you, you know, if you've been drinking or whatever, but those were very few and, and, and far apart. Um, for the most part, I've, you know, kind of went to a bar with a condom in my pocket. I went on vacation with a box of condoms. Um, and I had lots of vacation sex too. So, you know, and I like this guy who was like studying to be a monk and we had sex. Um, <laughs> so, so, okay. So this leans into my next question. Wait, wait, wait. Uh, one All quick right. thing. So I think just building off what you just said, not the monk piece, but the rest of it. Um, <laughs> it, it sounds it sounds like one thing you have going for you and, and you have had your whole life is that you really want to try to understand people and you go in with asking questions and talking to people. And yes. so you're able to ask whether it's the right questions or pull information out of people in a way that makes you able to judge their character, at least in some respect. Cause that feels Absolutely. like a consistent theme. Absolutely. And I had a, I had one particular scenario. I'll make it short, but I, I met some people on one of those webcam communities and we all became friends. And then we met up in Manhattan and we, you know, stayed at a hotel and a couple of them left, a couple of them stayed, you know, we just, and we had been talking through those channels in that community for a while before we did this. And then we also created that kind of rule. Okay. This is what we will accept. This is what might happen. And we're fine with that. This is an absolute no, you know, um, if you want to pull out, (laughs) 
Maybe that's not exactly. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> no pun intended. Um, but you know, if this isn't really what you wanted or what you expected, just be upfront about it. Um, you know, so yeah, I, I'm, I love people. I think they're fascinating and it's what has really driven me, you know, besides that, you know, yeah, the adventure, but people are part of the adventure. So like, I never really think I was a swinger. Like I, there were a couple of times, like that was one of the times where I was like in a group situation, but all coming together as people, as being friendly, as really being careful that nobody was going to feel left out or, um, you know, that they didn't, they didn't get what they came for. We tried very much. That wasn't exactly the case. It did not end all that well anyway, because there was a person who was very jealous and doing things for the wrong reason, but it wasn't horrible because we did have conversations, multiple conversations about what we wanted out of the, you know, the scene. Right. Right. Okay. Time for your next question. So I thought this would maybe be a fun kind of way to wrap things up because I think throughout the, your story, right. We, you know, a lot of the times we ask like, how did you grow and change? And I think we ask obviously lots of other questions, but you've really woven those into mm-hmm. your story. So mm-hmm. it's, it's been amazing. And and thank you for making our jobs easy. Yes. Um, <laughs> sure. But I thought it would be kind of a, a fitting way to wrap this up because I'm actually personally very curious that when, when you look back, from your deathbed or, you know, at your funeral, they're going to put up a movie of the top, like three craziest things that Giselle ever did. Like what, (laughs) what, what, if you, if you got to curate the top three list and what would you say, like, those are the things that you can't believe that you've experienced in your life or just were absolutely crazy that you've, that you're comfortable sharing. Yes. Yeah. Oh yeah. I've, there's, uh, there's no way to go back after I've said all that I've said. (laughs) Um, (laughs) So the first one, and, um, this has to do with the, the guy that I met when I was 18, um, that I met online. So he was just turned 18 and I was 36 and the whole time that we were talking and, and again, like I said, we were friends first and it was at least a year of talking about our lives. Right. And, you know, he was only 18. So how much life could he have had? But he did. And he was, you know, grew up in a, in a big city like me and he was an artist and a musician and a, and an intellectual. And we had a lot of things that we, you know, like talking about and sharing. And it was really deep. He's a very deep guy even now, but I think that was, that's one of them because we were, you know, twice each other's age and we fell in love. Um, you know, and, I, I can't even explain to you how, and I, you know, and I love him to pieces, you know, and all these years later we reconnected and it, it is funny to us because we'll talk about like, yeah, boy, back then, you know, I was just barely 18 
And he knows it's a turn on for me because that was part of the attraction was that big difference in age. Um, so that's one of them. I think the, the other one is I had online uh, a relationship with a photographer and it's actually the guy who took the picture that I sent to you guys. Mm-hmm. And he lived in Chicago and he and I were, were friends and then became more than that online. And we met each other a few times and we went away together. And then I went to see him and he had a, re- he was having a relationship with a chick in another country and he was having a relationship with me online and then in person. And then he was just starting to form a relationship with another girl. And I was at her birthday party. And then when we left the birthday party, I went to her house and there was a huge crowd of people. Clearly this was way before pandemic. Right. And we're all having fun. And I'm like the friend and I I'm happy for her. And I think that they make an adorable couple, but I was not too happy about being the secret and basically just dropped the bomb right in the middle of this enormous crowd on her birthday and it led to such drama. She was like crying. And then there were people like felt, felt bad for me. And they were like, so we divided the camp into two. There was like Camp Giselle and Camp Emily, let's say her name was. And literally like 75 people in the middle of this. This guy is fucking both the girls. What's going to happen? And the rest of the night was like like a sitcom. <laughs> um, oh my God. Yeah. Yeah. That happens. And, um, I think <laughs> <laughs> my third one probably, yeah, I guess it was the boss that that happened. Uh, and, and I, I think it was just, we were both, you know, horny people and just, I started to like, share these kind of little stories with him while we were, you know, like in in a space where it was just the two of us and led to him becoming more interested. And then him like saying, Oh yeah, I'd be part of that. And I'd be, and I was like, Oh yeah. It's like, yeah. And, um, we did some things right on the premises of the business while the business was happening. Um, yeah. Yeah. And nobody ever knew. Yeah. That you know of. That you know of, yeah. <laughs> it, it never surfaced. So yeah, uh, right. I think that, um, yeah, it was really ballsy. I, at one point, there's something happened, and then I got called up, and literally we had just wrapped up, and I was like, running up there was no time to rinse my mouth or wash my hands nothing on either part and we were both like running up and it was like my hands were shaking you know it was like the whole thing I was like 
Oh my God, did I just do that? And am I up here pretending that didn't happen? And is there a huge line of things going on and I have to deal with all of that? And me trying to make it look like nothing happened and him like taking care of this and me taking care of that uh, right after, you know, we had done what we did. Um, <laughs> yeah. So you've had some experiences. Your your life has not been boring. I would say that tell. for sure. <laughs> and and that's I think that's really what I had wanted to achieve when I first started. I mean, maybe things didn't exactly when I first started. Uh, it was obviously at the age of you know fourteen. I had no idea what I could do. Right. I just knew that I enjoyed this. You know this craziness and this edginess and adventure and you know but I think all along it was really me trying to create a life of adventure and I've been able to do things that traditionally and now women of course have a different place in society but at a certain point in my life women couldn't do the things that they've that I've done you know I've taken men on vacations and sent them flowers and you know, and, and seduce them, you know, in the moment and, and, you know, taking a guy who was interested in me from a subway and put him in my bed and then gave him $10. Cause he wanted breakfast. And I was like, no, there's a cafe across the street. Here's 10 bucks. Go enjoy. Like, I, I mean, I'm not saying that that means that the guy who I was pretending to be was a nice guy, but like I was able and have been able to do things that, traditionally men had done and i think as a a a young woman in the period that i grew up in that really was a big goal of mine was to sort of say just because i'm a woman doesn't mean that i can't do x y and z watch me right and you're set out to prove it wrong that you can and i think you won i think so too (laughs) (laughs) At least so far, your 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 uh, mission has been somewhat accomplished. It sounds like. I mean, it, it sounds like you feel that way as well. That you've done yeah. a lot of what you set out to do. And, and that kind of leads I, to. Go ahead. No, I was going to say. I think that when I am on my deathbed, I'm, you know, I'm I'm going to be like, yeah, no regrets. I had a good life. Yeah. Yeah. And that was kind of like maybe last question here is like moving forward. Do you see yourself like continuing on this? on the path you're currently on, like with these couple partners, or do you see it changing at all? I actually feel very good about the two partners that I have. Um, I know for sure that one of them, the one that I've been with the longest, we have a very deep friendship. And that's, we, we've had a, a few fights and misunderstandings over the course of the years that have nothing to do with my lifestyle, but other stupid shit, right? And we got to the point where that became painful for us to separate because of some stupid fight. And so we got to the point where we had a conversation and said, look, you know, we live far apart from each other. We have a non-traditional relationship, but we also have this really deep friendship and that has to come first. Um, so that is always the case with he and I, and no matter what happens, I think we will do our very, very damnedest to preserve the friendship, even if sex is no longer a part of that relationship. Um, Mm -hmm. and I think that we would be fine. 
or maybe it'll just continue, you know, and I don't see him that often because he lives far away, but we have that agreement. The other person, it's pretty new again. I, I think that he's amazing. And I think that we have a lot more to explore together. Um, and I'm eager to do so because I think he's fascinating because I think that he's a, just a great person. Um, and I think that it's, he's asked me to let us grow together and growth for us is going to mean discomfort sometimes because he lives the same way that I do. And I've never been with somebody who is polyamorous, not really like, and I influenced that when I met him at 18, the conversations I was having with him were about the lifestyle I had created for myself. And we talk about it and he says, yes, a lot of what we talked about helped me to see that what I was trying to do was a real was, could be a reality. And so he has spent a lot of time exploring that, the interesting people, you know, having sex with couples, being watched, all of the things that he's done. And I want to be a part of that because I think that that really is going to be an interesting place for me and to see what it'll look like to be in love and to also have relationships on each side. So I'm really hoping that we continue to get closer and that we're transparent with each other and that we don't let anything get in the way of what could be. Um, mm -hmm. Other than that, I don't know what's going to happen with, you know, other people. I'm open to meeting other people because I think it'd be interesting. Um, so yeah, there'll be more shifts. That's, that's for sure. Yeah. I think that's a common theme. Yeah. Well, it's, it's been endlessly fascinating and we're so grateful that you reached out and have been willing to be vulnerable and share your story with us. It's been, we've, we've really enjoyed it. Yeah. So it's been you. amazing. And is there, before we hang up, is there any last words that you want to share with listeners? I think that the, the thing that I want to say is we live in a, in a really awesome time where people do not have to adhere to societal norms and to societal roles and to the shame and the finger wagging and all of that other nonsense. We live in a time where you can carve out something else for yourself. And if that's really what you want, there's a, there's a way to do it, but it takes courage. You know, it takes courage. It takes communication. It takes, you know, really, being yourself, it's not for sissies. But if it's what people want to do, I hope that they will live, uh, you know, that life of adventure for themselves. Yeah. Well, that's wonderfully said. And thank you again for everything. And we'll have to have you back on in the future for an update. <laughs> it's just going to be a tell-all of tell us the craziest, like the top 50 craziest things you've done. <laughs> <laughs> that would be amazing but until then thank you so much again and it's been wonderful and we we look forward to having you back on in the future
Thank you so much, Emma and Finn. It was really awesome. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Enjoy we'll have the a rest of your day. have a great day, and we'll talk soon. <laughs> Thanks. And we're back. Second time's a charm, right? Yeah, is it? You're looking at me all funny. Well, I'm just skeptical <laughs> that we're going to get through this. <laughs> Thank you so much, Giselle, for reaching out, coming on the show, and being your beautiful self. It was wonderful to talk to you and hear all of your story. Yeah. Everything Emma said times 100. <laughs> and thank you again for all of your support and for sharing your story with the world. Yes. Next week, actually, before I talk about next week, a couple quick We're reminders. Living in the future. Live in the now, Emma. Live couple, in the now. Well, this is all about the future, too. But oh, Okay. <laughs> Live in the future, Emma. couple of quick announcements for January, since we are almost to January now. Um, we have our next upcoming virtual meet and greet that we talked about in the intro. That's going to be on January 16th. These are awesome events, open to anyone. They're $10. You can sign up on our website by clicking on the meet and greet tab. Links in the show notes. As well as our Patreon uh, group. We thank you so much to everyone who's part of our Patreon community. It's just been amazing and we can't wait to continue to grow that community we have our next women's group call on january 6th our next men's group call on january 19th and our next discussion slash q a uh, for all the patreon members on the 20th so go check out our website normalizingnonmonogamy.com and you're also going to want to go over and check out the links to sed check as well because as we said in the beginning it's cheaper now yeah and i just wanted to maybe circle back on the the patreon stuff i ran through a lot yeah, no, I'm, I'm a little dizzy. Uh, but no, just that, that that Patreon is a really, really great community. We have seen, you know, over the last eight months, nine months of this pandemic that, and even before that, just the, the, the support that everybody has given to one another. And we've seen people go through incredibly difficult things and not even non-monogamy related. And that community shows up every single time and supports them. And so if you're looking for just an amazing group of people who are open-minded and supportive and there for you. We we didn't ever expect to build that, but that's what we built. And we just wanted to say thank you so much to everybody who shows up in there and is a part of that. And mm -hmm. we love each and every one of you. Thank you for the support and thank you for helping us build something so amazing. And thank you for getting us all through 2020. Yeah. Next week, now we can talk about next week. Now we can talk about next week. We have an interview with Tessa and Amir. They have a new podcast called Open Nesters. And so you're going to want to stay tuned for that interview next week. Yes, ma'am. And we will see everybody in 2021. Happy, Happy, Happy New, new year. year. And stay safe out there. Bye, everyone. Thanks for listening.